Hey guys, welcome back to the fitness experiment. We're going to work on having a lot more guests here in the near future. Uh, want you guys to be able to get exposed to as much information as possible from all around the world. So this week, uh, we have a good friend of mine, Dr. CJ De Palma uh, from Pensacola, Florida. Uh, CJ is the movement doctor. He is working with everyday people all the way up to CrossFit Games champions manage their pain and their rehab. So he has an integrity standard that is above and beyond um, anything really that I've come across um, in this space. We've had some great PTs on in the past that also had the same opinions on some things as CJ. Um, CJ brings a really cool perspective to everything. He has a cool story about where he started, um, where he's at now, where he wants to go in the future, and just really putting um, his patients first by listening to what they are saying and then helping them understand the why as they go through their recovery process, whatever that is for him. Before we get into this week's episode, we're going to announce the winners of our Thrive 1.0 giveaway. We have five people that have gone through and entered themselves into our draw on Instagram. Appreciate all you guys doing that. Um, even if you don't win, just stay tuned. We're going to be doing more of this stuff. Um, just really appreciate you guys listening, caring about what we have to say, and you know, staying involved in what we're doing and taking an interest and trust in what we're trying to create here. Yeah, you guys are going to dig this episode for sure. And like Jesse said, we're going to do a lot more of this in 2020, have more people on like CJ who can bring their knowledge, expertise, experiences from legit all around the world. We have some other cool guests planned for you guys and after all the name of the podcast is the fitness experiment so we're going to get to hear about all different types of if you will fitness experiments so that you guys can learn and apply different tactics tools from everybody and really just improve how you feel on a daily basis and like jesse said um we really pre appreciate everyone who express their interest in Thrive 1.0. We put a lot of time and effort into this. We, we really think it is unique and uh, just different from all the other programs out there, both from a nutrition standpoint and from a fitness and workout standpoint. And this is really just the, the step one of this. Yeah, so we got our five winners here. We're going to send you guys DMs. Um, and get, get you sorted out, but wanted to give you a little shout out uh, on the air here. Uh, so, uh, Nicole Mantle, I'm just reading Instagram handles also. So, if, if you have a weird Instagram handle, this is just what happens. This is a, the consequences of your choices. <laughs> Nicole Mantle, um, Ali Holvo, Sparkly One, Tim Vincent, and Kem Bella. We'll reach out to you guys uh, ind individually via Instagram and let you guys know what the next steps are to claim your prize. Enjoy the episode. Okay, we're here with uh, Dr. CJ De Palma, the movement doctor. If you're on the social medias, that's where you can find this guy. Um, I got to know CJ through Wad Prep. Um, kind of working together, uh, answering some coaching questions in Facebook groups and working on programming and things like that. Uh, I want CJ to tell his story for us because he has a very unique story um, about his uh, philosophy around what he does. Um, so I'm just going to pass it to CJ so that he can explain to us what his approach is and what Rethink Your Rehab means to him sure um that's a that's a big question <laughs> i love it so um 
So I guess we'll kind of like backtrack to like school and pre PT school and things like that. So um, the movement doctor kind of came to me while I was in school. I was, I was at CrossFit Soul, um, which is a pretty well-known performance gym in Miami. It's where I was at school and I was training with them. Um, I was training next to them. I wouldn't say with them. It was more of like osmosis of me, like following like the, the little turtle behind. So, um, but I was like, uh, bartering for a membership. I'd work on some of the athletes there and things like that. And I got to train around a lot of really big names. Like I was super early into CrossFit, like two years in and I'm training next to people like, I don't know, Sam Briggs and, you know, team soul in 2004. 15 went to the games that year and, and did really well. And, and so, you know, I was training next to people that were exceptionally better than me. So I fell in love with like the concept of treating athletes and I was doing a lot of hands-on work then. Right. And, uh, cause I, at that time I, I wasn't, um, I guess qualified enough to like adjust their programming, which is kind of like where I've kind of fell into now. So anywho, uh, I was like the movement PT then I was trying to find a name and then the movement doctor just kind of came then you just thing and then I got a lot of backlash for it. It was like, it's tacky, it's lame. And I was like, well, it is what it is. And the logo it was like, the logo's too aggressive. You're a physical therapist. And I'm like, well, I treat athletes, right? And that's just kind of how it was. And then I ended up going through phases since the business started. Of, I, I wasn't treating any athletes. So it's very interesting. But anyway, so finished school. Um, uh, I worked in a traditional clinic for three weeks and I quit. And, um, <laughs> I didn't even work full time. I was working like four hour days and I was in South Orlando, which is a very uh, heavy Puerto Rican population, highly predominantly Spanish speaking um, demographic. And I don't know if you can tell, but I don't speak a lot of Spanish. <laughs> even living in Miami, it just was not a thing. So I was very, I was very upset with just the situation and the thought of opening the clinic had been uh, something that I've wanted to do for a long time. In the August prior to that, this is August of 2016, my buddies at Mako CrossFit, um, we were at a bachelor party and we were drinking, having a good time. And they knew that I wanted to open up my own thing. And they were just like, hey, we want you to come up here and open it. I was from Pensacola. It's where I went to undergrad. It's where I met my wife. My wife's from here. Uh, one of the owners' wives and my wife were best friends. And so it was just like, let's do it. And one day in November after I passed boards and started working for, um, this mill clinic. Um, I just, it was like a Sunday and I was like, I don't think I'm going in tomorrow. So I called them like 7am on Monday, like 10 minutes before my shift was supposed to start. I was like, I'm not coming in They go, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, not going to come in. Um, like you're really, you're really hurting us bad. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you. So, so that's kind of like where the move and then we just kind of figured it out. I had no idea how to run a business. I had no idea what I was going to do and, and all of this. And I had no money and we just kind of figured it out. They gave me a really good opportunity and I was able to kind of create the movement doctor of this like single person, um, private pay, um, PT clinic. And so when I started my initial, um, motto was basically, uh, changing, the views of through movement, posture, and rehab, right? So this concept of like perfect movement and perfect posture. And that was like my initial thing. And it's so funny because I, if you look at my social media, you couldn't see anyone more anti-posture and anti-perfect movement from a pain and rehab perspective. And, and that transition happened over time. I was, um, I used my, my cross the, like, what I learned at CrossFit Soul from like training athletes and training with athletes and, and actually seeing what high level training looks like was probably what I've taken the most and like kind of helped me as an athlete myself and what's opened up the doors, I guess, to like really work with CrossFitters primarily. Um, uh, so I can never thank them enough for it. Um, but when I, when I started in this transition, I wanted, I wanted to train athletes. That's all I wanted to do. And, and, uh, and Pensacola is a really small town and the, I didn't need a lot. My overhead was really low. And so I started doing like mobility seminars, right? you know, tagline word, right. And buzzword. Mm -hmm. And then all these things. And I was part of uh, the clinical athlete, right. I don't know if you guys know Quinn Hennick and um, uh, juggernaut training systems. Quinn's a, the PT yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so he started him and a, a chiropractor and another PT started 
uh, clinical athlete, which is basically like a um, clinician forum for people who are athletes. And in there, we were in the forum one day and I was talking about my mobility seminar and I got blasted with the things that I was claiming that we were doing and changing. And like, I like legit almost quit the profession. It was like a month of me just like sitting on my thumb and just being sad. And like, like I was like emotional and I was like, this sucks. And I was like, and it's just crazy how much you realize you don't know when you get out of school. School teaches you one thing and you get out and you're like, okay, here's all the evidence that just shows everything you just learned for the past three years and your six figures of education you just spent is disproven. You know, and why do people get better? Why does it work? Because everyone just gets better. We can talk about that yeah. kind of later. Yeah, I'm excited and, about that one. Um, and and so it was like this transition over time, right? Like starting as someone who did a lot of hands-on work, worrying about like perfect movement, bad movement would cause a lot of pain, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it just kind of transitioned to this, what we call pain science and this uh, uh, pain neuromodulation of like how there's hundreds and hundreds of factors that affect pain um, that aren't structurally driven or movement driven. Um, their beliefs and social influences and psychological states, depression, hormonal changes, nutrition, sleep, what your mom said, whatever, right? And so we've kind of transitioned into basically being more of a rehab coach and just educating people. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, you pulled a muscle in your thigh and, and it, it's not, it, it only hurts because you think it hurts or it doesn't hurt because you don't think it hurts. It's, it's just much more complex than that. We've learned that pain is super, super complex and there's so many more things that are going in besides, I had a patient come in yesterday and um, she uh, came in and she was concerned about quitting CrossFit. She had just started like within the last couple of years and um, she was really worried because she can't get over knee pain. Keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And all the things she told me, she was like, I was in a car wreck eight years ago. Okay. Um, I was, uh, I have bad knees. I'm like, okay. And I have flat feet and I stretch all the time. And then I'm like, well, then why? What's wrong? And she's obviously, she's, she's super mobile as most females are. Mm-hmm. They can reach all the positions without issues. And she's like, I have flat feet and I have this and my knees came in and I have a tight IT band. And I was just like, what, what good have you ever seen when you walked into a clinic they told you what you do really well and she was like well no and i'm like well, let's talk about that let's talk about the good and the positive and let's create a plan that doesn't worry about the structural abnormalities or the structural not perfections that you have and let's look at you know what we can adjust which is training volume and load progression and uh belief patterns right and like all of these things so that's kind of where the practice has gone is, is coaching people, you know, not coaching them to get better, but to make better decisions, right? People just get better, right? We, we have a lot of good research that shows that we can't really influence pain super well from a long-term standpoint. Everyone gets better. Everyone feels better in the short term. That's why the Theragun works. That's why the Normatec works. That's why the crossbows work. That's why sleeping is better because anything, any input whatsoever in the short term creates change and it's all perception driven, right? Cool. So, I didn't quite answer the question all the way, but I feel like we'll kind of answer a lot of it totally. as we continue to talk. Yeah, that's great. I think the the biggest thing, of, I think for the two of us, if we're co- talking about just coach, uh, coaching CrossFit group classes, uh, a pretty standard situation that's going to come up is somebody's going to come up to us at the end of class and say, hey, Jesse, um, I have this pain in my elbow what stretches should I do to make my elbow feel better? Like that's the dialogue. Um, but we know that pain doesn't always equal injury. And so what would be your approach? Like if somebody were to come up to you and say, Hey CJ, I got this elbow pain. What stretches should I do? What would be your answer to that question? Yeah. Um, so my next, my, my next thing is always a question, right? It's like, how long has it been here? Like it just started today. I'm like, okay, it'll be gone tomorrow. Like, you know, right. Started a week ago. Okay, what were you doing? Oh, for example, I have a patient. I, I saw a patient yesterday. Two weeks into some like like lateral tendonitis, right? Pain, tender to touch, pain with wrist extension, pain with rotation, pronation, supination of the forearm. Um, and the Mako program has had a ton of dumbbell work lately. Okay, so right, yeah, lots of dumbbell hand cleans, renegade rows, dumbbell snatches devil presses, just like prioritizing the dumbbell goes through phases, right? So I was like, all right, well, let's take down this, put down the dumbbell for a little bit and let's work on the barbell. But my, my 
answer to that is usually it's it find a history, right? You find what's going on, what hurts, where does it hurt? What's like, what's causing it more pain, right? And from a coaching point, find just finding out like, okay, what hurts? What makes it worse? Okay, well, snatches. Okay, well, you know, uh, since when? You know, it's Wednesday and it's since Monday. Okay, well, it's probably, if we just, you know, either back off load or like our, our aggravating factors for a very short amount of time, then usually it just gets better, right? Um, it, it just does, right? And, and unfortunately, you said elbow, which is probably like one of the worst ones to say it just gets better because we have a lot of good research that shows like elbow tendinopathy can last from like 12 to 18 months. It's just like very frustrating. Right. Um, but main reason why is because everything we do, we have to grip really hard, right? Um, so as far as like a stretch, usually it's not a range of motion thing, tendinopathy or whatever elbow pain, pain is usually not due to lack of mobility. Like you just wouldn't be able to reach the position if, if it was right. It wouldn't be like my shoulder shirt because mobility overhead sucks. And it's like, well, it, maybe, but it's probably just cause you're not used to being overhead. Right. right? We look at right. tolerance, right? We look at it. We look at pain more so as instead of weak or short or imbalanced or fucking inhibited or whatever, whatever awesome term that Kelly Starrett has fucking created (laughs) believes it's probably more so just, you're not tolerating the shit you're doing, right? That's it. You either do too much too soon or you don't do enough for too long. And we either basically reduce our tolerance because we're pissed off because we're doing too much or we have no tolerance because we're too deconditioned. Right. And that's not an in shape thing. It just means that could be strength, could be uh, pure conditioning. It could be anything, just tissue loading, whatever. Right. So it, it's, it is that simple, but again, pain is super complex. So that's why I try to avoid diving into the weeds of like trying to mechanically diagnose every single thing of pain. That sucks. It's super hard. And that's all school taught us. And everyone presents differently. Right. It's, it's important to understand, you know, your structures and things like that. But especially as a coach, it's like, look at the aggravating factors and adjust those. Right. Don't do any more than that as a coach. Right. And there's a, a thing to, uh, for the most part with uh, sports team that, I, uh, sports teams that I coach, the coaches want mm-hmm. me to add in stretching at the end of their session to help with injury prevention um, <laughs> <laughs> and trying to explain to, you know, um, a coach who's been involved in a specific sports space for a very long time that that right. probably and for sure, I mean, isn't going to prevent injury. Um, right. Is there like a, a certain language that you would use with somebody to help get that point across or for our listeners, like how does stretching not prevent injury? Yeah. Well, I mean, so what does stretching do, right? Stretch. The goal of stretching is to increase flexibility, right? That's the goal right. of stretching. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's literally the goal of it. That's it. If you feel good doing it, then you should do it. That's the answer. But as far as what it's accomplishing from a performance standpoint, it is very rare for someone to stretch themselves into a better position. It's very unlikely because you still have to grab the barbell and put it over your head. Right. And more often than not, I see people who can get overhead in a good position, but as soon as they start to squat or do anything that requires any type of contraction or stability, they just, they crumple and not because they're unstable. I don't like using those terms, right? It's because mm-hmm. they just don't know their body's not used to it yet. Right. So to answer the question of like, you know, why, what is stretching do afterwards? It can make you perceptually feel less tight. Yes, for sure. But so can hitting the Theragun, so can taking a big deuce, like you just feel better, right? Like, because these things, every, again, everything works in the short term, eating a really good meal, right? Like, it's just like, you just feel better, right? Endorphin responses. And so, but why? The, the question is always why, right? You know, why do we need to stretch afterwards to prevent injuries? Well, based on what mechanical response that you will be less likely to be injured if you are more flexible, that is not true at all. Now, the ability to accept load in bigger ranges of motion, especially from a sports team for athletes with directional change, yeah, that's important. You know, someone's like, oh, I started running and I pulled my hamstring. It's not because you weren't flexible enough. It's because you weren't fucking ready to run. Right, like you right. just weren't like, You just weren't ready. You either like you, you just took off on a dead sprint 
And if you sprint all the time and you take off on a sprint, you're probably not going to pull anything. You're probably fine. But case in point, 20.1, hanging with a buddy. I bet I can beat you in a 200. And I was like, fuck you can. So what did I do? I sprinted 60 yards in, pulled my hamstring. (laughs) Because I wasn't warm. I had just got done lifting. But I haven't done a full-out sprint in eight months, right? You know, it's not because my range of motion is terrible. I can, I deadlift every day, right? You know, pull from the ground. So the amount of range of motion you need to accomplish movements is much lower than we, we believe. Right. And, and so to answer the coach, right. Especially from that's, that's Duke. Hey, uh, Dukey. Duke. What's up, buddy? Um, it's hiding there. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, it's to, the question is like, what are we accomplishing? Right. Is it just to feel, to perceptually feel a little bit better than sure. That's a good one. But as far as preventing injuries, because it helps increase flexibility or pre- prevent tightness. No, if you're reaching, if you're, you, you're in activity, you, you do hockey or football or soccer or whatever, you know, every day, then you have all that range. Cause why? Cause you're doing the movements all the time, right? You don't need to stretch on top of that. Is it cool to be able to do a straddle for sure? Cool. If that's what you want to do, then do it. Right. We have a lot of good knowledge that shows that if the more flexible we are, we usually aren't as great at producing force. Too. So we want to be careful with like, it's all about reasoning, right? Nothing is bad. There's no, nothing inherently bad, right? At all. But it's the reasoning. And that's, that's where all of this practice has come from is because our reasonings, what they taught us in school, what most people justify why they do things is trash. And we've disproven it across the board time and time again. I think since we've, uh, before we get too far away from our discussion of pain, I think now would be a good time to bring up the CBD. I wanted to ask you about this. So this is, it's obviously super popular right now. I mean, you open up your Instagram any day of the week. One of the posts you see as you scroll down, it's going to be something about CBD, you know, yeah, miracle cure this, that, um, oh we probably all have our own kind of thoughts about this. And I think that we're probably similar in what we think about this, but I think you're in a unique position, obviously, because like you just explained, you see a lot of people that are dealing with pain, CBD has something to do with pain. So I'm just curious from your perspective, like what, what has your experience been with seeing and treating clients? Like, does this come up a lot? Do they ask you questions about this? Or maybe it's not even, maybe it's not as popular as I, as I think it is. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's obviously we're not recreational in Florida. So, um, uh, so that's number one. And with that being stated, what you can get outside of your recreational States, it literally doesn't count at all. It's like taking a drop of like, sugar water okay Okay, so like unless it's source is very important why because of how much whatever it is that we're putting in there i don't know a lot but it's just from the you know my i I know some uh people that sell like in colorado and california and their friends we've talked about it before um uh so where you're getting it is super super important especially when we're talking about if and how it's being effective if you're getting it in states where recreational use is not legal you are not getting at all of what like the the big the big claims of cbd are are being uh used right that's number one because it's going to be too low of a dose it's not going to be strong enough to really do anything at all right some sure you can get tired and sleeping i mean who doesn't i mean Mm -hmm. like it's whatever so but i look at everything every every passive intervention 100 percent the same way is if if your baseline is here and you can't reach your baseline without this thing, whether that's like an intervention of like hands-on therapy or massage or Theragun or certain food, even like everything. If you are only getting to baseline with supplemental inputs, CBD oil, you know, uh, a constant foam rolling, like, yeah, I can't do anything until I foam roll, right? So if this is your baseline and you only get here with all of these passive interventions, that is not a good thing. Supplementals should take you above, right? That's what they should do. They should take you to the next level if that's what you're looking at. So once we're dependent on anything, it doesn't matter. Besides active in your own personal self, like this intrinsic concept, right? If we're prior to that, then I don't think it's beneficial. I don't care if it's the best CBD oil on the fucking planet. Right. I don't care if it's going to take you to Mars and back. In a <laughs> yeah. You're like solve 
space travel with it, right? And like time travel, it doesn't matter. If it's only taking you to baseline, it's not that beneficial for you. But from like an actual uh, like mechanism of action, uh, I don't have a lot of great information on it. I'm totally fine with people taking it subjectively. Like when they're, stop. <laughs> I think someone just got home. Uh, so as far as like the, like the chemical responses that are happening, I don't have a lot of great information on it. I will more once Florida is recreational for sure. Um, Cause then I'll probably be more involved with it and see it more and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with any, anything, especially CBD oil. You have the same opinion on oh, no. the CrossFit gear. That's unfortunate. Are you guys back? Yeah, we're back. Yep. Oh, I lost you for a second. We're good. Um, you know how CrossFitters love their gear. Would the gear conversation follow fall under this same umbrella? Yeah. Like 100%. if you can't squat without knee sleeves, you should probably fix your 100%. shit. Yeah. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Like beyond tenfold. But I was that guy, and this is why. When I was down at Seoul, dude, I was is the person behind the screen that guy? Yeah. Is the person? Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's like, oh shit, I can't squat without my knee sleeves. <laughs> um. Uh, but I was that guy. I was like Olympic shoes, knee sleeves, and like the tightest RX gear wrist wraps you could see. My hands would turn purple. Like I can't do anything without my wrists being fused together. And then I couldn't figure out why my wrists hurt all the time when I did literally anything. I was like, oh yeah, I'm not letting it move. Yeah. So um, I was that guy. Two hours of warm up, floss, foam roll, joint by joint approach, like very FMS, gray cook, like like, you know, mobility, stability, boom, 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 systematic. And, and I was always in pain and it sucked. And it was just so time wasting. So anyways, but yeah, I, same thing. Yeah. I think that's why you have a cool perspective too. Like having been that guy already and like having gone through very formal education on this stuff and then kind of come out the other side with a whole new perspective. And then I think you also know that like, as you go through this journey even further, your perspectives on some things are probably going to sway even more. Like, yeah, but I mean, it could sway back, right? right I mean, right, like right. you have to be like malleable to the situation, right? And and transparent. So, like, I could want you know a study could come tomorrow say that dry needling is, you know, literally the best thing ever. And we have physiological evidence that we're creating lots of improved tissue function and change, and and we would swing for sure, you know. Um, uh, but it doesn't, and it hasn't. So that's that's where we're at. Yeah. I get how the money, if we're talking CrossFit athletes, I get how the money is not great in it and these athletes have to make money somehow. But if we're talking gear, we're talking CBD, we're talking the Theragun, the, the messages and the posts they put out there are literally what you just said. Like, oh, I can't do anything without my three drops of CBD before my warm up and my 12 inch thick knee sleeves. And then I also have to drive the Theragun into every joint of my body and then I'm ready to go. This is my yeah. daily routine. Yeah. And that's basically the message that they're putting out there. Oh yeah. It's but just, I mean, that's just sales. Right. And, yeah. and you know, the funniest thing is like, who's Theragun's biggest athlete now? Right. Rich Brown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And who's the guy that probably hasn't done a warm up in yeah, no shit. 10 years of CrossFit Rich Brown. The guy just <laughs> yeah. starts plotting and he's like, all right, I'm good. And now like you see it, I don't know, like the, uh, behind the scenes of mayhem or whatever. And he's just like, oh, I do 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there. And I'm like, no, you don't. I mean, you <laughs> might not. You don't need to. Like, there's no, you have no need for that, right? Like, there's no need at all. You, you know, so anyways. But yeah, that's, that's just, that's what it is. Again, reasoning, right? I'm not saying that Theragun's bad. It feels fucking great. I love that shit. Yeah. But why, right? Outside of just feeling like it feels good, is it physiologically changing anything? No, it's not. Okay, that answered my question because I don't know anything about the Theragun. All I know is that it's like a jigsaw for, your, for your body. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I had no idea what it was supposed to do. I, I don't really use any of that stuff because um, I, don't, I just don't you get it. Is it fit? <laughs> um, Fancy? Do you know what the actual, like, what's the whole premise behind it? Like, what would be the purpose or what do they say the purpose is? Anyway? So percussion, percussion therapy, right, initially was for uh, increased recovery times, basically like massage, which we've shown that it doesn't really do a lot of. Um, uh, 
then it became this like warm up thing. And we actually are starting to have some good evidence to come out that shows percussion therapy reduces the ability to uh, uh, MVC, max voluntary contract. Right. What? So this device that's supposed to warm you up is now reducing your ability to contract at maximal, at maximal input or maximal output. Great. I'm super excited that you are giving all of these people this device that is showing through evidence that if soon as you use it, you have a window where you are now weaker. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Fucking great. Sweet. Go I'm try and max out your back squat, Paul. Right. So and, and so and it's just it's just to feel good, right? People are like it's like foam rolling. And the, the reason it came out was because foam rolling is a pain in the dick. And it was, right? You know, and then you have like K Star came out with this like literally this like saber tooth fucking tiger on a blue, a blue roller that, that thing- like would hurts yeah man it like rip it'll like rip your leg off i sat i I sat on it once i was like fuck this thing i'm not going back on this dude i I, like i get a massage maybe god last one was like two years ago and i had to stop because my quads i'm just like i don't have i i mean they're not that i'm not the most flexible by any means right and i wouldn't mind being more flexible it doesn't affect anything i do you know but i wouldn't mind being a little more flexible but i would get i would get worked on i would barter with some people when i first started and i legit had to stop because i like from like there's portions of my body where like I cannot handle any hands-on input. I don't have any pain. I don't have any problems. It's just going to take a while for me to ever get back to the point of someone working on my quads or working on my glutes <laughs> yeah. ever. Like if I really, if I went to that point, it would just be, it would be a long process. Like I'm off the table, naked out the door. I'm like, see. <laughs> yeah. no way. I don't even near those quads. It hurts, man. So, yeah. Anyway. And you say you're not flexible, but like we all know overhead squatting is a, a pretty good expression of your ability right. to get in good position. And like, what's your max snatch? Uh, not a lot. 210. But like you can, you can put over 200 pounds over your head. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm very flexible to my sport specific. Yeah. But like to lay back and like do Ramwad, I look like a like a dying duck. Yeah. But who cares? So, do you want to be good at Ramwad? Exactly. And that's, and that's, that's where I was, right? People are like, Oh, you know, I can't, I can't pigeon. And I'm like, dude, I can't pigeon, but I can, I can gymnastics squat hands together overhead. Like with a bottle, like, and just, it's fine. Like I can do that. My hips are mobile enough to do everything in this sport. My shoulders are mobile enough to do everything in this sport and I'm fine. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a cool idea too. Cause even with uh, like being mobile enough or being strong enough is like a, a big thing for this sport, right? Like you don't have to be the strongest, but you can't be the weakest. Right. right. Yeah. Like yeah, you have to, you have to be strong enough for the sport. Cool. But yeah, I agree. I mean, and you know, I think I made a post, I think it was yesterday that was, um, that said like, you're probably mobile enough. Like you probably have enough mobility and most of us do, right? It might not be, it might not be as good as we need it or as good as we want it to be, but it's probably enough. And if we just do the thing, whatever it is, snatching, squatting, swinging on the rings, that is probably going to be enough to make us get better at those things and increase the mobility that we need to accomplish those movements instead yeah. of like hanging with a barbell in the, with a foam roller on your back and like forcing your joint to end range for five minutes at a time. Right. It's a lot of stress on the joints. That shit's tough. Yeah, you get better at squatting by squatting. You get better at doing handstands by doing handstands, right? It's not like all the other stuff. This should be such a relief to so many people, too, hearing this, because how long does all this shit take? Oh, yeah. Freaking I mean, I I would hope so. That's kind of the goal. I had someone comment on one of my posts the other day. I said, um, a good coach isn't justified by, like, their credentials, basically, um, or vice versa. And he said, he's like, nothing you say is empowering and it's always sounds like you're calling someone out. I'm like everything. I feel like everything I try and say is like just opening the mindset of we need a lot less and we're a lot more capable as our own selves, right? Like the, the better I do, the less patience I have, the more influential I can be via, you know, just like people looking in. Right. Right. And, and that's the goal, right? Terrible business model, by the way. I never <laughs> Like hustling, you want to hustle way harder to get more people because you know you want to get to a point where like you know PTs always ask me like how many people are on your caseload? I'm like I don't know, not a lot. I don't want a caseload. That's not right, that's right. not the point. Of this. Like you know I want I want to I want to just see people and help them get better, 
right? Like I don't want to watch someone run through exercises. That's not a great way to treat. I think that's absurd. And I think it's, that's why I like this situation. And what I can do is everyone that comes in is I know they're going to do their exercises. I want to see them again. I want to go over what we went over the first time. Then we want to progress or regress if we need to, or go back through and start over whatever it is at that point. But I don't need to watch them do, you know, I don't know, single arm half kneeling presses. Like, right. So sp- speaking of things that impair recovery, whether that's, well, for this one in particular, I believe it's, it's more so injury than recovery from training. But so I think you did a post on this maybe a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, rice. I think this is, I, I thought that this was something that was kind of starting to get out to the general public. Cause this isn't, it's not really new news, right? I mean, and we'll, we'll kind of get into the background on this in a minute, but the guy who came out with rice originally, which is basically in short, the idea that post-injury you should ice your injury to improve healing essentially. So the guy came out and said he, I was fucking wrong is basically what he said a couple of years right. ago, I believe. And I thought this was starting to get out to people, but I've realized that it's not. So I think this is totally something worth you kind of breaking this sure. down and explaining to people kind of the how yeah. and why this is not the best practice. Yeah. Um, this was like the one, I would say probably one of the only evidentially supported things that's ever come out of K-Star's mouth. That wasn't his own opinion. Um, he actually had a lot of evidence that supports his notions. And this is where I kind of initially got it from. Uh, but basically the concept of rice, which is rest, ice, compression, elevation, um, post injury, usually it's like an ankle sprain or something, um, is that, we need time for the tissue to heal, which is correct. Um, ice will prevent inflammation, which is sort of correct. Compression, which is, is still very accurate, and elevation, which is still very accurate. But the rest and ice part, the, the issues with it is complete rest reduces our ability to uh, just function as a human. We start getting hormonal changes and we start being depressed. Most people who are very, who get injured that have traumatic injuries are very active. Um, that's a very blanket statement. So it's not obviously hundred percent true, but they like moving. So if you're not doing something you like, and you're just kind of like nah, and you're just like a fucking mashed potato <laughs> in front of Netflix watching Witcher, by the way, which is an awesome series. It was really good. Uh, so it, it makes you sad and then it prevents our ability to produce, um, you know, endorphins and positive hormones that will, improve our ability to regenerate tissue. Now, on the other side of that, we have uh, ice, and ice does a good job at relieving pain, right? It doesn't really do a good job of anything else. That's it, that's all it's for. And inflammation is literally in the concepts and stages of tissue healing. It's the first one, the first one. It's the first thing that happens for us to heal tissue. So if we fuck with it, it's a bad thing, right? It's just not smart, okay? Why, why would we want to mess with something that's been happening in our body since we stood upright, right? I mean, since forever, it's just part of of the body. Our, Our medical ingenuity that has been established over the last 70 years, we'll say, 1950 is when we really started like making strides in medicine. The knowledge we have over 70 years is not more vast or more accomplished than our biological ancestors and what we've learned and what our bodies adapted to over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So inflammation is normal. It's expected and it's part of it. Now we can have super excessive inflammation. That's not good. So how do we prevent that? It's kind of tough. We protect it and we wrap it, we can compress it, you know, and we just give it time. And uh, on the other side of that, right, what do people, what does everyone say? To help healing, right? For some reason, people have always thought that NSAIDs or ibuprofen and Aleve and Tylenol like actually heal anything. <laughs> yeah. For some yeah. reason. That like it's a drug that makes you better, like mm-hmm. like a beta blocker or, or like something like a cardiovascular drug, right? Like, like it's, it's or something that's gonna help improve you know, liver enzymes, right? Like, I mean, like it's, it's not, it's not what it is. It is literally a blocker. It's 
a pain blocker and an anti-inflammatory. Now what it does is, is it prevents our body from uh, producing uh, COX-1 and COX-2 chemicals, right? So basically what that means is those things are what produce our um, prostaglandins, which is what is inflammation, which is sent to the area to start regenerating tissue. And when we prevent that, and we prevent the same thing kind of as ice, right? So we don't want to take NSAIDs either. We want to avoid NSAIDs, avoid them at all costs. Even if it feels better, it's not, it's not, it's not worth it. When we start messing with tissue healing and those things, it's not, it's not good, right? So when we get injured, it's going to take X amount of time. Tissue takes however long to heal, right? Anywhere from six to 12 weeks, most of the time, somewhere in there. Right. So we got it's going to take time. Okay. During that time, we do things, we make smart decisions. We, we move, we stay very active as we can without causing lots of pain. Um, uh, and we let the body do its job, right? We try not to interfere with it too much. Yeah. Um, but you know, everyone wants it faster, right? It's the American way, whatever Western way. Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, uh, it is though, bigger, faster. And it's like, well, that's unfortunately not how it works. We, we, we've never, been able to actually increase tissue healing times. Yeah. One of my biggest frustrations when somebody, so just using the elbow example I used earlier, um, if somebody has a, a sore elbow, some sort of pain response in the elbow, so then they just take a week off of the gym. And this is somebody who regular, regularly comes and they, and the unfortunate part is that the language that they've being communicated with at their healthcare professional is what's causing that to happen, right? Yeah. Like, uh, they go to whoever and say, Hey, my elbow hurts. And they're like, Oh, just take it, take a week, take it easy for a week. And then mm -hmm. it's perceived as like, don't do anything for a week when 95% of their body is working completely fine. Completely fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it just, it comes up all the time. And then it circles back to like, I'm going to do nothing, but I want you to give me stretches for the one part of my body that hurts. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> That's it. You know, I mean, we were taught that in school. I mean, it's, it's not, they're not out of, it's not their fault. No, they don't, you know, and that's the shitty part, right? We as providers, even coaches, right? It is, it's unfortunately, fortunately up to us to, give appropriate knowledge right and that's why language and and what you say is very very important it's the most important thing that we can do mm -hmm. there's no there's no perfect intervention there's no perfect treatment but there is the right and wrong things to say to a patient that is in pain and that's really really important to understand um because we can set them up for success or we can set them up for a life full of fear because they have flat feet right and exactly so, yeah and you guys have seen me move but i am literally reincarnated french Flintstone. <laughs> but I don't have any fucking knee pain or hip pain. So uh, I, I never have. You know, I mean, I go through like bouts of like tendonitis from, you know, squatting a ton or throwing a D-ball around, you know. But I mean, that's just part of training. I know it goes, it goes away every time, right? Everyone that's listening, you know, even if you're in pain, you've had other pains before, you're probably batting a thousand for being in pain and the pain going away, right? And whether that was because... You had an intervention and it went away. Good. I'm glad the intervention worked. It probably wasn't the only thing that made it go away. Old natural history, body processes, things like that. You know, just regression from the mean. You have this peak pain response. Six weeks later, we feel better. Why? Because the body's supposed to do that. Not because not because you got rolfed or or I don't know dry needled or you know you saw a massage service. Those things help for sure. They can, right? Uh, why, again, the reasonings why much different than we thought, right? Uh, a lot of perception and subjective inputs and beliefs and things like that. So it's, it's really important to understand what's going on and why, um, you know, and why things are working the way they are. Um, you know, so I feel like if there's know. one message that people can take away from our talk today is that the body wants to heal. Cause I think regardless of what they're, regardless of what they're told by a, a practitioner or whoever, like having an injury, especially if you're someone who's used to going balls to the wall more often than not, it's easy to slip into that kind of all or none mindset. Mm -hmm. And you think, you know, if, 
son of a bitch. Like I hurt my shoulder. Can't do what I normally can. Can't do what I want to do. I'm just going to sit at home all week and wait till this heals up. Whether or not they, that's what they want to do or not. I get how people kind of sink into that, that rut. I mean, that's what it is, is you just kind of, whatever you beat yourself up, you feel low. And so I think that's a good thing to just keep in mind is that, you know what, everyone's been there before your body wants to heal. So just, just get back in let there. It. Really? Yeah. yeah. Just let it do. Let it do its job. Yeah. I think, um, Oh, let's just jump into the next one. I got, I got some rapid fire. I want to get some more out of you before, uh, so that we sure. don't keep you too long. Um, another situation from the gym. Um, somebody comes back from uh, a PT or, or whatever. Uh, they need to take a break from deadlifting because they have a weak core. Sure. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. All right. So, um, so they have back pain when deadlifting, and the, the response, the reasoning is because they have a weak core. Yes. Right? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, of all of them, uh, that's just not accurate whatsoever. Like there's just no way that that was ever potentially possible. Now, could they move terrible and the, and like their pattern, you know, like because they're in pain or like the whole chicken or the egg argument, like the way they're moving is causing pain. The way you move can for sure cause pain, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not, we're never saying that they're they're. but that doesn't mean that that specific movement is bad. It's bad for you at that point in time. Okay. And and uh, especially for the whole back pain and weak core thing, uh, there's a lot of good evidence that actually shows increased EMG activity for people that are, have a lot of back pain, meaning their core is working way harder and working more and putting out more force than someone who's not in pain. So, so the opposite. Probably not. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot or of the just, time. Go ahead. Maybe um, not that they have a strong core, but that they have like an their cores overcompensating when they're doing things. It could be, could be a little spastic because of pain. Right. I mean, that's very common. Um, uh, you know, but I mean, we look at it again, it's tolerance, right? But it's probably not, if they're in a CrossFit gym, they're not a weak core. You, you get to say you have a weak core when you're wheelchair bound and you fall over in your wheelchair and you literally can't pick yourself back up. Like you just fold over in the chair and you're stuck. Yeah. Then you can say you have a weak core. And I've seen that. And you want to know what causes that? neurological deficits, like vast neurological traumas, not someone who can't hollow hold. That has shit to do with your It's wild to me. Well, I understand, but it, the, the language, like people attach themselves to it and then that's who they are now for the rest of their life. And I could come across them 15 years later and they're like, Oh, I have a bad back. And I'm like, Oh, when did that start? Oh, I, Went tobogganing. Oh, that was super Canadian. Sorry. Tobogganing. <laughs> that was so Canadian. It was unbelievable. You made my whole day. <laughs> Perfect. Went tobogganing, oh hit some ice, and like hurt my back when I was 15. And this person's like 55 when they see me. I'm like, well, okay. Right. Your body's, you're good. Yeah. You don't want bad back. But, so on that note, right, so then why do they keep having reoccurring pain? Right. Again, this is a great example of why pain is not directly related to tissue damage. We know it heals. But we also know that once we're in pain, it's much easier to get back in pain in that same spot because the body remembers. And it will if it's so you have all of these reasons why you may be in pain from life stressors to actual you know, uh, physical exertion to, to injury. The body will always revert back to what it knows best and it remembers how to be in pain. right? Or it will go into this full panic mode a certain region because it's been in pain before. So it's like, oh shit, I remember this. This is happening again. I have to protect myself. So we that's what chronic pain is. That's why people in chronic pain are there because their body feels threatened all of the time. All right. A couple minutes left, so a few more rapid fire. Um, but what do you think about, I feel like an idiot even asking this, what do you think about kids lifting weights? I don't even know what the argument is here. I think it's super, yeah, I know, right? I, I think it's super, well, the argument is like growth plate, like um, stunting, and which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, uh, but no, kids lifting weights, I think is super important. I think that um, understanding intensity and volume is very important as someone, but more so just because they're beginners, not because of their age. Yeah. Um, you know, I think play is much more important than actually lifting weights at that age, um, allowing kids to play and jump and, and lift weights based on how they feel and just what they want to do for that time. If the kid really wants to push it, then 
you know, as long as they're under supervision and you let them go, I mean, they're the same risk of injury as anyone else, probably actually less. They're very malleable and mm-hmm. flexy and they're all just basically Gumby with bones. <laughs> so, um, uh, I think it's totally fine and safe. Yeah. And the forces that they'll get acting on their body when they're playing is probably way more than they would get yeah, weightlifting or totally. anything like that too. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Or when they're tobogganing. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. like, CJ can't even believe that's a word. He's like, what the fuck? Man. Man. I thought it was just like in movies. Yeah, um, right? Yeah. It's a crazy word. I got some, just so that our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. What's your favorite CrossFit workout? I don't know. My favorite CrossFit workout? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, probably 20.1. Yeah? Honestly. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I don't know, pain, a lot of pain. And just, it's just what it was. Just yeah. something you can push on. And, you know, it was, I don't know. I loved it. It was probably one of my favorite workouts I've ever done. And obviously I was, I did very well at it. So that's why. Yeah, I'm, you sure did. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You smashed it's not, like it. I, it's not like I like 20.5, which I do like 20.5. And I would like to do that again and not suck at it like I did. So. <laughs> Uh, so it's, it's relative, but 20.1 actually is probably one of, one of my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, this is always something that is interesting. I just like to know, um, why, why do you do what you do? Like what made, what made you go down this path? And then maybe it changed since then, I guess, but at this point where you're at, like, why are you doing what you're doing? Um, so we went through a bunch of, um, I think like a lot of soul searching because I, I basically run two businesses. I run part of Wad Prep with Ben, and then I run the Movement Doctor. And sometimes they conflict um, on like on on priorities and and time management and things like that. And so I'm trying to figure out what my overall goal is. And my overall goal is to influence and affect the most people positively, right? And whatever that means, whether that's treating them in person, programming for them for performance, giving them knowledge for rehab to empower them. Um, but it's basically to empower every person that I come in contact with and, and as many people as I can over however long I have to do this. So, right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. What's next for you? Um, hmm. Working on a couple of courses with Wad Prep. We have an engine course coming out, um, yeah. plug, um, uh, which will be shooting soon. I have a pain training through pain course or pain management kind of course of uh, basically teaching people kind of the, the the basics of like how to modify training based on your pain responses and what your injuries are, um, you know, for kind of a little bit of self-management. Um, so hopefully that's coming out at some, at some time this year. Um, hopefully the clinic is growing, hiring a, a therapist at some point this year, potentially here in Pensacola, but that's it, you know, trying to grow the one-on-one and we have a one-on-one team, one-on-one coaches here at Wad Prep. Um, four coaches with a PT. We're trying to grow their their rosters and and um, you know give them opportunity and again continue affecting the most people. Yeah, we got one client right here. This guy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're, Doc we're, Mills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> another so wild. It was on his it was on his story one day, and you did. I was like a, a snatch. I or a clean and jerk, and I was like, I know that gym, and I was like. <laughs> Does he go to London? He was like, yeah. I'm like, that's so weird. I'm like, how much of a small world is that? Man, that guy gets more shout outs on our podcast than anyone, I swear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> that's cool. That's good stuff, man. What about you guys? What's next for the experience? Um, right now we're pushing out a Thrive program. Uh, we're going to actually be announcing the five winners at the end of this episode. Yeah. Um, going to get some people sampling that program for us, get some good feedback before we do uh, the full launch. Um, mm-hmm. Our goal for this season of the podcast is just to have more guests like yourself um, so that we can learn from our guests. Um, up until this point, our podcast has really been us trying to share our knowledge. And cool. now we kind of want to take it a turn to like, have our audience learn from healthcare professionals that we trust ourselves and like let them tell their story. Um, cause you, you provide online services and an, 
I mean, although you're in Florida, it doesn't matter now, right? So we want to be able to push our listeners to you. If somebody's experiencing pain and they listen and they like your approach, then we want to get them to you. Yeah. It's kind of the whole idea. Yeah, I think awesome. we kind of had a bit of a realization lately too is that we have very similar goal to what you just said is that the ultimate goal is to help as many people as possible. And right. I think to do yep. that, like you just said, get people like you on the show hopefully put out more of these programs like this to target people who may not have access to them already may not have access to, um, you know, credible programs to reach their health and fitness goals. And yeah. yeah. Cool. How's the, um, functional fitness federation. It's good, man. First seminars this Saturday. I'll, I'll zoom you in if you <laughs> yeah. want. It's, uh, it starts at 1 PM Eastern. Okay. I'll probably be in the car. I might be able to, Send me the link. I'll okay. see if I can hop. All right. Um, I'd be in the car, so I might be able to watch going to yeah. grandma for lunch. <laughs> yeah. So where we're at right now with it, like this, um, this week, we just I got the Ontario Functional Fitness Sports Association um, incorporated, did the whole cool. not for profit thing. So all the paperwork's done. So it's a, it's we're good to go from that side. I'm um, talking to a company from Vancouver called 2M about getting the back end set up so that we can set up like the actual club memberships and the individual cool. athlete memberships. And then it's going to kind of have, I'm going to have to shift gears to focusing on the world champion, uh, the world championship qualifier that we're hosting at Westland and CrossFit in June. Cool. That's going to take up a lot of time for a few months and then I'll get back into trying so to do So do you that program out. that? How does that work? I don't program it. No, there's a, a programming board. Um, so do you, (laughs) yeah, do you know Mike Fitzgerald? Um, he's the head of that board. And then there's, uh, I think three or four other people that have input as well as to the programming Then it has to get sent off to the international federation to get approved. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, good luck with that. That sounds fun. Thanks, man. Uh, where can people find you? Um, uh, Instagram.com backslash the underscore movement underscore doctor just search the movement doctor there's a few fakes on there but um first <laughs> um so uh no you'd be surprised how many people tried to have how many people follow me with different iterations of the movement doctor like like 15 that Very followed you your your movement doctor yeah. account yeah <laughs> i'm like i'm like it's so you know after the first couple i was just like I like said something to a few people that were students and then I just like didn't care anymore. I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, copywriting super and trademarking is really, really expensive. So we're not there yet. Maybe one day. Um, so Instagram, obviously Facebook, the movement doctor, and then uh, my website's the movement doctor.net. Um, but pretty much everything is on social Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then I think I have a YouTube channel, but I just put like exercise examples on there for true coach. Really. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and um, if you if you follow Wad Prep at all, you're gonna see CJ in all the Facebook groups yeah, giving coaching yeah, and things like that. Yep, everything Wad Prep. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it. Sweet. All the things. I'll probably cool. see you doing a uh, overhead squat demo tonight when I get to the gym. <laughs> probably <laughs> on True Coach. <laughs> on True Coach, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, thanks was, for joining us. We really yeah. appreciate you taking time out of your day. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Sweet. Where are you going right. now? Right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to train. Got to go for a lot of Palooza, man. Oh, yeah. That's what's that? Yeah. End of this month or end of February, sorry? February 23rd, that weekend. Okay. Cool. Uh, so we qualified a team, and then I have four athletes competing. Nice. And it's a lot of prep like Business World Summit. So yeah, way too overbooked. Probably gonna bomb and flame out, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> be fun. It's cool. So yeah, yeah we uh, we have a team RX, so we're excited. That's nice. Good. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm bummed I can't make it down this year, but it's it's a bit of a hike from London, Ontario, yeah. to get down there. So <laughs> it's a hike from Pensacola, man. It's like 700 miles. It's not close, even oh, though shit, we're in the same. Shit. It's super far. Like it's a 12, it's an 11 hour car ride. So it's far. Yeah. We don't ever understand that, but it's far. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like coast to coast on, um, in California, like top to bottom, legit whole thing. How far it is. 
That's what I did not. Shit. I thought it's like, I don't know. Super ignorant. No. I think like, <laughs> I think <laughs> Florida, it's like two hours to everything. And when we went to London, I was like, I have no idea. It took me like five minutes to find out. And I'm like, where the fuck are we? <laughs> you know, you know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyhow. All right, guys. Okay. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Have fun training. Yep. We'll talk soon. Yeah, you bet. See ya.